Hey, everybody. Welcome to the first postseason episode of Chirps, which unfortunately is coming much earlier than we all would have liked. And yet, not without drama, because thanks to technology failing us yesterday, Alex and I are recording on Thursday as opposed to Wednesday, which means we didn't record ahead of the shocking news that just hit the Cardinals universe. Alex, we have been trying to record this show, but evidently there were greater reasons to hold off and let things happen because moments ago, the Cardinals announced Mike Schilt out as Cardinals manager. Jamazalek citing apparently irreconcilable philosophical differences, which is a whole thing. We can get into that in a moment, but uh, what? <laughs> That's all I have to say. What? <laughs> I, I am completely shocked. I'm blown away. If, if they had finished the season 80 and 82, which uh, looked like was on the table for a while, I still would have been very, very shocked uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, I, have come to believe that this organization for the better uh, really appreciates continuity. I thought that was one of the reasons why Matheny lasted probably um, possibly two years longer than, than maybe he should have. Um, and so to see Schilt let go, who, you know, by no means not a perfect manager, um, but to see Schilt let go like this just, I don't think there's anyone who can honestly say they saw this coming from this organization. I mean, I always thought they were kind of like the Pittsburgh Steelers and, uh, you know, who really, really treasured that continuity. And as a as an Illini football fan, I can tell you that, you know, there's something to be said for not having a new uh, coach all the time. So I kind of did, too. But, yeah, I'm shocked. I, I really don't know what to say. It's strange on a lot of levels. I think primarily and and first in all of our minds is that, like you said, this isn't the Cardinals don't do this. They don't do things spontaneously. They don't do things that are particularly shocking. They kind of follow the status quo on purpose, not just because they don't really know how else to do things, but because they think that's the best way to do things. So to do this now and, you know, they had to get permission from the league to announce it because it's also day five or game five rather of the NLDS. And normally you can't make these big announcements when postseason is going on. And then, I mean, there are so many pieces of this that the more I hear, the more confused I get, but evidently this discrepancy came up in the last five or six days. And this isn't something that has been a, a kind of slow building thing. Whereas, you know, look, Three months ago, we were saying, hey, maybe Mike Schilt isn't the guy. Maybe he's not the one that can take the talent on this team and push them forward. We also said the same thing about Jeff Albert. And then they went on a crazy 17-game winning streak. And we were like, hey, maybe it's not him after all. The point is, there's some part of this that just came up that was just like enough of an explosion in the last week that someone who's been with the organization, and not only been with the organization for a long time, but so highly valued within the organization for the his his appreciation and understanding of the history and the legacy and the intention and the style and the methodology of this club to just like that be out i mean it's it's wild to me and you know i said in the cardinals group chat uh or the the birds on the black group chat i don't know 
that the idea of, well, we have philosophical differences gives me a lot of comfort because I don't know which person's philosophy, <laughs> Mike Schiltz or John Mazalak's, I actually have more confidence in at this point because we've had issues with both of those directions. Right. I hope this isn't a case of someone got their feelings hurt because of something the manager said after a loss in June or something like that, because that does not reflect well on um, the, the top brass. You, you want these people to be very secure, people to be able to handle, um, uh, you know, little, little jabs like that. Uh, and you'd think if anyone who lived through the Tony La Russa regime, you would think they would be able to. Uh, so I hope that because La Russa was kind of the king at that. Uh -huh. um, and I think sometimes it's almost good to have a little tension between the manager and front office. Uh, m maybe that's just me being a child of the La Russa era. <laughs> and and I, I think that there's actually something good that can come of that. I don't know. But I, I will say this. You better nail this hire. You mm. better get this next hire right. Or the next person out will probably be the person making this hire, this next hire right now. Um, I, I was pretty critical of Schilt uh, from the get-go. Um, not necessarily as like, I, will, I think he should be fired or he's a bad manager, just just for things here and there. If you remember, right, his first day on the job, he batted Yadier Molina second. And, and like, it, it seemed like such a quirky thing at the time. And no one really cared because we were all still kind of glowing in the post-Matheny era. Uh, but he would kind of do things like that all the time. I, I don't know if, if it was little things like that, if it was not taking out Wainwright, sooner um in in the uh, wild card game and i'm sure we can talk about that later if it was just a buildup of those things that led to this if so that tells me that they really were influenced by the matheny era and not to let if they see something that they just don't think is going to change not to let that drag on otherwise it seems completely inconsistent with how matheny kind of was treated i mean if you remember so, so Mosaic just basically said, like, you know, we feel as though we're turning in the wrong direction or, you know, I value or do I think DeWitt said I value continuity, but not when I feel like we're turning in the wrong direction. Well, in 2016, the Cardinals won 86 games, which was the fewest amount of games they had won in several years, uh, finished a mile behind the Cubs in the standings and then extended Matheny the day after the Cubs won the World Series. So it seems very inconsistent with what they did just five years ago, unless they're taking a huge lesson from what happened five years ago. Which I think is a really interesting point, because I know some of the, the dialogue on Twitter right now is like, wait, you let Mike Matheny get away with being bad at managing for a long time. And Mike Schilt has actually been, I guess, mostly good and sort of bad at some things. And all of a sudden he's out after a season like this. But I think that's an interesting point. Maybe they've been there, done that, and they don't want to go that far down the road with someone that doesn't want to push this organization in the direction they want it to go. Now, I think there's perfectly fine reason to be skeptical of the direction the front office wants the team to go um, in some of the decisions that they've made, other than just the management choices. But 
if, for example, this is an issue of, you know, how Mike Schilt is or is not using analytics and using sort of a more modern mentality towards how the game is played, does that does that make you feel better about what the front office is hoping to do? If there's some, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to come up with what could possibly be enough of a, a completely opposing viewpoint that they could not find a way to continue. Right. There's that quote going around from John Mosellac that basically someone asked him, well, can't you just tell Mike Schilt, this is what we're doing. And he, in (laughs) no uncertain terms said, well, I can tell him it doesn't mean he's going to do it. And, I just I'm I'm having a hard time coming up with something that's so demonstratively in opposition to each other other than it's like hey this is how we're going to make decisions this is how we're going to fill out a roster this is how we're going to whatever and if you're managing we said this often about Matheny right if you're trying to manage this team one way and we're trying to build this team another way it's not going to work yeah I got to say, I I don't want a manager that is just taking direct orders from the front office. I know that's more the climate in in baseball and Major League Baseball right now than, than say, 10 years ago and than it has ever been in the history of Major League Baseball. If you look at the Dodgers or the Rays or whatever, there's always these kind of rumblings like, well, you know, they're not, they're only like kind of like 75% the manager, but really, you know, they're almost like some puppet master or something to the to the front office. Uh, I like kind of a little separation there. Um, and let's say Mosaic, let's say he was fired because of because of kind of what you said, like, listen, we, we told you to do these, you know, certain little things and, and he wouldn't do it. I don't know. I don't personally find that a fireable offense if your team is playing extra baseball at the end of the season. Um, now, someone might say, well, yeah, but, you know, they should have won the division this year. Um, they had a roster to win the division this year. And I would say, well, no, they did not. They did not have the pit. And, you know, I'm not I'm not unique or smart in thinking this, but they trotted out John Gant and um, Daniel Ponce de Leon every five days for for a lot longer than most teams who are pretending to to try and win the division would. And and that certainly wasn't Mike Mike Schilt's decision. He it's not like Mike Schilt was starting them over some you know great pitcher on the bench. That's who he had. And so that is more of a front office problem in terms of why they didn't win the division. And and I'm not saying well the front office should be fired either. You know, look, sometimes you just you just miss an evaluation, you you or whatever. Um, especially with how close this team loves to uh, kind of do that Pritchard test of you know we can spend this much and maybe win this many games and you know that should put us right where we want to be in terms of uh, uh, playoff baseball instead of just being like hey let's try and win 100 games or something. So I, I don't know if I that that just seems very unconvincing to me that that's why Schilt would be fired. And if it is, it kind of goes back to what I said earlier, which is like, well, maybe, maybe you need a little thicker skin. Um, maybe you need to learn how to get along with someone who's not going to do every single thing you say. Um, if uh, it, it would just be an easier pill to swallow if, if I didn't think Schilt had something, which I can't quite define, quantify or put my finger on that, has this team always playing well in August and September? 
Yeah. Yeah, it's it's strange for me because and look, we, when I said minutes ago, literally within the hour is when this has happened. So give us three days and we might have some different thoughts or different perspective on this when we hear from a few more people. But just in the moment, I think for me, there, it's, it's odd because I do feel like there needs to be some sort of harmony between the managerial philosophy in the front office, just in the sense of, um, look, we. I'll go back to Matheny because we use this example a lot. It, it was kind of like, <laughs> here just so that this is all all about me and not picky. when um the the cardinals had colton wong sort of slotted as the everyday starter uh and then mike matheny kept playing aging veterans who weren't as good instead right there was this idea that the front office was giving him a team that should be able to compete a certain way and he was using it incorrectly because of this impasse in his managerial philosophy and the philosophy of the front office and how they were building a team. So I do think there has to be some sort of symbiotic relationship between the two and how they think baseball should be played. But I do also find it a little bit cringy to hear a front office basically saying, well, he wouldn't do what we told him to. So we fired him because you're right. We've talked that this Cardinals organization tends to create in and of itself an echo chamber that doesn't allow for any pushback, that doesn't allow for any sort of outside opinions or perspectives. And without knowing what that difference was, right, without knowing, oh, was this because Mike Schilt didn't want to change his approach to something when it wasn't working? Or is it that the front office didn't like that Mike Schilt had a different opinion about how to use arms out of the bullpen or how to whatever it is, right? Was there a difference in Jeff Albert's approach and Mike Schilt's approach that just led to confusion and conflict of how you go about without those details, it's really hard to say anything except that I think there does need they, they need to be maybe not always on the same page, but at least in the same book. <laughs> and yeah. if that's not happening, then I get it. But with the very uh, cryptic commentary about what happened and the fact that it's something that just came up, right? And and Mozeliak has said this wasn't about 2020, it wasn't about 2021. It's about the future and where this team is going. It's hard to understand how this is something that no one knew about until this last week that there was such a dramatic difference that they can't move forward. Um, l- let me ask you about that, because I remember Bernie Nicholas kind of hinting uh, uh, at when, when Matheny, when all the stuff was going down with Matheny, he, he kind of alluded to the fact that DeWitt really hates drama. Uh, and you, you think back to all that stuff with Dexter Fowler and like the Bud Norris and Jordan, and Jordan Hicks situation. And he made it sound like, like that wasn't like the primary reason, but like that was kind of one of the reasons like, look, I've, I've had it with the Cardinals kind of being in the newspaper, our, our dirty laundry being in the newspaper, you know, instead of like wins and losses. That said, so does it kind of surprise you to hear them within an hour of finding out that Schilt has been fired, that they're already saying like philosophical differences? Uh, you know, look, I can tell him to do this. It doesn't mean he'll do it. In fact, his Mo's example was like, well, I can tell you jump out. Of, I can tell you to jump out of a moving car. That doesn't mean you're going to do it. Uh, 
Which can we just clarify, like not a great example. (laughs) No, not a great example. I would say, well, it depends. Yeah, never mind. Yeah. (laughs) If you're telling me to do something that's like dangerous and probably deadly, like not a great example. Yeah, you're supposed to cast yourself in the reasonable. (laughs) uh, Yeah. Right. Um, Not the the other one. Uh, Still doesn't come off looking silly there. Uh, No. um, (laughs) So... Does it surprise you that they're kind of like putting the what I think could be interpreted as drama out there for everyone to see, for everyone to analyze, for us to jump on here and talk about instead of just one? And maybe they did do this. I was, as you know, I, I was unavailable when all, all this was going down. I kind of just jumped on. But I'm surprised they didn't just say, like, look, Mike Schilt did so many good things for this organization. Um, he stepped in when we were at kind of a um, fork in the road and he he won, you know, he in his first full season won a division title, got us to an NLCS. He navigated through the uh, COVID waters and all that. However, we just feel to kind of get to the next level, we just feel like a change in direction is due or something like that. It doesn't at least again, correct me if I if I missed all that part and I'm just hearing the. Uh, the philosophical differences and like, no, you know, j- jump fact, out of a moving car stuff. But in fact, you know. uh, Daniel Shopta actually just shared the news release after Mike Matheny was fired compared to the news release today. And I, there are two quotes in the Matheny release. Let me read those to you real quick. Yeah. Mike Matheny has served the St. Louis Cardinals organization with tremendous dedication <laughs> and pride. And I am thankful for his service to the Card- Cardinals over the past six and a half seasons. On behalf of the entire Cardinals organization, I would like to wish Mike Matheny the very best. That's Bill DeWitt Jr. Uh-huh. Second quote uh, <clears throat> from John Mozalak says, these decisions are never easy, but we felt that a change in leadership was necessary as the team prepares to enter the second half of the season. I would like to thank Mike for his exceptional commitment and devotion to the Cardinals organization, including many fond memories of our years working together. Okay. That's the Mike Matheny press release. Let me read you the singular quote in the Mike Schilt press conference. While these decisions are difficult, both parties agreed that philosophical differences related to the direction of the organization brought us to this conclusion. With just one year remaining on Mike's contract, it was in everyone's best interest that we address this now. Period. Wow. Wow. (laughs) So you're not wrong. There's a shocking amount of not only did this end, but it ended poorly. So there's, there's clearly something there. Right. Something something like these people did not like each other. And um, it's strange because of how much perceived respect there has been in this organization for so long with Mike Schilt. So something so dramatic. That's why to me, it's hard to imagine this is just a matter of, well, he's not using the pitching staff like we want him to. Like there's something else there. <laughs> You know, I thought they made a mistake after firing Matheny in not hiring someone with uh, a lot of MLB experience, just because like the way I looked at it, like this is the St. Louis Cardinals. um, And those guys, there were guys available, whether it's Joe Girardi or or whoever. Um, Now, I wonder if they thought like, look, we know exactly where we want to take this club and we want to, we know exactly the direction and the type of instruction this club should be given. 
And we trust someone like Mike Schild, who's been in our organization, you know, pretty much forever, but who has no managerial experience to do that more than we do a guy with a lot of MLB experience, managerial experience under his belt, who already has kind of a my way sort of philosophy. And I wonder if that just kind of bit them, like like it didn't work out the way they thought it would. Uh, just c- similar to to Matheny, and I, I don't want to compare Schilt to Matheny for for several reasons, but do, do you think that's what happened? Like like they're like, whoa, whoa, wait a second! Like, uh, look, w- we hired you when no one else was going to hire you to be their their manager. Um, you you, how dare you not listen to us? How dare you not? Um, how dare you act like you're the manager of the baseball team? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's just so strange because I'm pretty sure a couple of weeks ago we were seeing at least r- reports or rumors that there might be a Mike Schultz extension in the works. And look, look, to be fair, like this is how fans react to things. At the time, a lot of people were like, oh, don't extend Mike Schultz. He's not good. And then they won 17 in a row and the Cardinals fired him and everybody's like, what? I can't believe you would fire such a great. So there's, you know, a little bit of reacting to the moment, but I I don't know. I mean, it's, it may be something along those lines, right? They hired their guy from within the organization, but if the organization, look, I have been very outspoken in saying, I don't know if I trust that this front office has a good grasp on where they're going from here as far as what the baseball landscape looks like right now. And if, you know, I always try to caveat that with, but I don't know what they're talking about in closed door meetings. I don't know what they are actually thinking or discussing or hoping for. Maybe there was that shift and there was that change. And all of a sudden their guy that they thought was going to kind of go with the flow with them didn't want to go with the flow. And again, I don't know if that's a good thing or not at this point, because we don't know what that difference was. Um, you know, if it was a difference of saying, hey, I think you need to actually give me enough pitching to work with. And if you're not going to do that, then we're not going to be a winning club. And the front office was like, mm, pass. <laughs> then obviously we're team Schilt in this conversation. But well, if it was, you know, I, I don't know. It's just it's so hard for me to come to any sort of conclusion about what the issue actually was that would lead to this sort of decision that is so out of character if it doesn't also mean the direction this front office wants to go is a bit out of character based on what we've seen in the past. I have to think there's something else there that... And, and I, I don't want to say anything because I'm, I'm just speculating, but it, it just makes me think there is something that we're not seeing yeah. that that was at issue um otherwise it just seems very unlike the cardinals um uh both in the firing itself and also the <laughs> the press releases that you just read um from the account where they basically barely acknowledge uh Schilt a, as a manager a, at all uh it's just very, it's just very odd. I, I'm curious to see what comes out in the next couple of days. I'm curious to yeah. hear what some of the players say. Maybe, maybe after a day or two, something we'll hear something and we'll be like, okay, I kind of get it now, or we'll still be just completely uh, surprised by all this. Uh, yeah. I, but I go back to what I said earlier, which is um, bold move, and now you better nail the hire. You have to. 
Well, and I think it has to make sense in in multiple ways now at this point, because you've clearly made a, a distinction between, hey, we don't want to be what we have been moving forward. And so if you hire someone that's basically the same the the same mo the same pattern the same you know then it's going to feel even more disconnected than it is at this point so that'll be interesting uh, mo did say there were some internal candidates that they were looking at which doesn't seem surprising i also have a suspicion that part of the reason for the timing of this firing of Mike Schilt is because they already know the guy that they want. Um, now, whether that's internal or it's someone else and they want to be first in line to talk to that guy when they get permission after the season, whatever it is, um, my suspicion is you don't make this move uh, and then say, no, we want to move quickly and getting someone hired if you don't already know kind of who your top two or three guys are for that position. I don't know if internal hiring is a great move because it does feel very similar to what we've seen in the past, but we have all offseason yeah. to talk about and, that. And I'll say that they have some very, normally I don't think I would say this, but I, I, I legitimately believe they do have some uh, good candidates that are internal candidates, what, whether it's uh, Ollie Marmel or uh, Stubby Clapp. Uh, I, I think both of those would be pretty g- good candidates. I mean, I would want both of them before I'd want, like, say, Buck Showalter. Sure. Well, <laughs> and I, I was just thinking. Article in the post is wants a job in Major League Baseball. Um, right. Well, and I, I, I was just thinking as you're saying that, you know, if this was an issue of, hey, Mike Schultz isn't the guy that's going to take us in the direction we need to go, but we are considering multiple people on Mike Schultz's staff, then perhaps there was a larger conflict going on between Mike Schultz and the rest of the staff that was part of that impasse, right? Because if Mike Schilt was at such odds with the rest of the staff that John Mozeliak would say, Mike Schilt's not the guy, but Ollie Marmol is, and he's going to take us the direction we want to go, then I would assume there were difficulties between Mike Schilt and those people who do want to move in whatever that direction is. So maybe that's you know part of this issue as well. Do you... Do you think there's a chance this is kind of like a Grady Little situation, like when he uh, sent Pedro back out um, in the 2003 ALCS when he was clearly gassed, um, and that basically that one decision basically led to his firing, uh, kind of like with Alex Reyes, when he brought in Alex Reyes when... um, I I know it sounds like hindsight, but but I really believe most people watching were like, I don't feel good about Reyes right now. I really don't feel yep. good about Reyes right now. That's that's how I felt, uh, I, and I didn't even I'll know take about that, a step that further. Stat. I didn't know about I that. Said, yeah, I Go said ahead. before he came in, if they bring in Alex Reyes right now, they deserve to lose this game. <laughs> okay. That's how yeah. sure I was of the the poor decision <laughs> that that was going to be. So it's interesting <laughs> to think about that last game, not in the sense that like that was it, that was the one thing that made the move, but that. You know, if there were conversations after the fact about, hey, like this isn't how we want decisions to be made because it's not the most effective approach. And Mike Schilt basically said what he said to the media that, well, we needed a strikeout and he has strikeout stuff. Well, <laughs> okay. Uh, you, can't, you can ignore the rest of the data that says, hey, he allows inherited runners to score. This is probably not, not a good choice for your preference. So I think you might look, we'll never know unless Mike Schilt just does a tell-all because he's mad, but I don't think he's that kind of guy. So we probably will never know. But it is an interesting part of the puzzle to think, okay, in these conferences after the season, 
was something like that sort of a hey like we're not gonna do this anymore and mike schultz said well but actually i am (laughs) what are you gonna do about it (laughs) i i felt very nervous about alex reyes coming in uh very nervous and that was before i even knew about that inherited runner stat that shopped off uh yeah we did the next day that he basically every inherited runner he had since late april he he allowed to score which you know isn't always that person's fault but it did kind of feel like you know if he had been managing the team in 2013 he would have brought in like uh Edward Mojica at that moment because Mojica had been so good in the first half right. or, or, or something like, you know, or something like that. It just, uh, it, especially with all the, uh, the, you know, what we could have used miles Michaelis. I mean, there are other, there are plenty of other, it's not like the there were were pitchers yeah. at that, at that point. And I think that's why it was frustrating. Uh, but I will also say both with what just happened to Schill in the game itself to zero in on that one decision as if that's why we lost would be completely unfair. I, I mean, it, it, it ignores the McFarlane walk to Bellinger, which is probably the biggest offense given there are two outs. You have the lefty lefty matchup. Bellinger has been terrible. You have to just pump him strikes right there. And uh, if he had gotten a single, it would have felt a little better than giving him that free base. Right to bring up Chris Taylor, but, uh, I mean, I don't, do you want to talk about the game? I, I, it's been a week. So many other people have talked about it. I'm, I'm, it's still an interesting game to me and I don't, maybe we should wrap it up. Yeah. I think just, just briefly, the more time passes, the more I really do feel like that game was interesting in the sense of the Cardinals were right there with the Dodgers, which is not, I think, what we would have anticipated for most of the season. And yes, it felt like, you know, again, my immediate after the fact reaction was, man, this is harder to take because it feels so much like losses in June and July did, right? Where they couldn't get a hit with runners in scoring position. Somebody gave it up at the end in the bullpen. Um, It felt a lot like those losses that were so hard to, to take early on. But it also felt like a much more competitive game than they played in June and July. So it's interesting to try to figure out how to place that game in terms of lingering thoughts about this team. Because I do feel like they were better at that point than they were early in the season. And yet the result was still kind of the same. It was a wonderful game. It was kind of everything you ask for in a game like that, if your nerves can handle it, but for, <laughs> but for the ending. And it, you know, that it kind of showed uh, uh, like right now, Marvel has this like, what if series going on mm-hmm. right now? Uh, but like thinking back to the 2011 game five NLDS, like it kind of had like a, what if feel of that game? Cause that yeah. game, the Carpenter holiday game easily could have turned out exactly oh, like yeah. that game just did. Uh, if just a few things go a little bit differently. So it was a good game. I wasn't even that upset in the aftermath. It was losing to a 106-win team. It was a lot easier pill to swallow than, say, like losing a wild card game to like a 89-win Atlanta Braves team or or something like that. Uh, It did make me wonder what the outcome would have been in like a three-game series. Right. Because that one game thing is so different. But, you know, then you're exposing some of the lesser pitching to the Dodgers lineup. So I don't know. (laughs) It had all these little moments, too, where I was like, oh, if we win this game, I'm going to remember this. And I'm going to remember that. Like like Wainwright catching that that line drive and holding up Uh the ball. And then that 
that uh, was that a broken bat double play that uh, was it Seager hit it? Was it Seager who hit into it? That I believe so. Yeah, really got them out of a, a, a yeah. crazy jam. Um, so yeah, and and it kind of had that feeling like okay, okay, this could be a very very special game, and and then it wasn't, and our season was over, and our season was over um, mostly because they didn't win the division. Yeah, and they didn't yep. win the division. Going back to what we said earlier, because they didn't have the starting pitching to win the division. And yeah, I, I mean, it, and I don't think that's Mike Schultz's fault. <laughs> no, no. Um, and I think that's why, you know, it, it is interesting to hear some of these comments saying, hey, this wasn't a decision about 2021. This was a decision about moving forward um, for whatever that's worth, whatever that means. Who knows if we'll ever really know. But I'm sure there'll be more to talk about as uh, more of that comes out in the next few days. And certainly as, um, you know, they they fill that position and whatever changes come with that. Um, we have planned to take some time off as the Cardinals will, I'm sure. But if there is significant breaking news, we can always pop back in. So just kind of follow the Twitters <laughs> and we'll let you know when a new show is coming out. If you're subscribed to the birds on the black podcast, you will get it that way as well, but we cannot leave you one last time without a chirp of the week. Okay. So before I do the chirp of the week, I want to do an update on Wainwright's uh, postseason stats. Ah, uh, because yes. he threw he threw five and two thirds innings uh, or five and a third. I forget what it is, but I, I looked it up in baseball reference uh, yesterday. He now has thrown 114 and a third innings in the postseason. He has a 2.83 ERA, a uh, 5.6 strikeout to walk ratio. He, that went down just a little bit because he struck out five and walked two the other night and 123 strikeouts. So some very, very strong numbers from from Adam Wainwright, who gave us everything he possibly, that basically almost everything you could ask for in a start like that. Uh, he, he wasn't, you know, perfect like like Chris Carpenter, but he was very good and definitely put the team in position to win. And was also, I, I, I want to mention, because this is one of the reasons why we love Adam Wainwright so much, the grace he showed Alex Reyes after the game. Um, if you saw Wainwright's post-game interview, he basically said, "Like, uh, yeah, I walked up. I, I told Alex I loved him, and you know, hey, like, you know, it's okay. It's it's going to be okay. You know, um, that that's baseball. Um, uh, I I really appreciated that because I knowing Wainwright like I do, which is obviously not personally, but just from following his career." I believe him in that moment. I believe mm -hmm. that he is that teammate that he shows on television and in interviews. And yeah. I thought that was a very nice moment. And I'm very happy that we're going to have uh, w one more year of him uh, because uh, that'll really be something that'll be fun to watch next year. Um, okay. Anyway, trip of the week. Um, it's, it's not as like nailed down as I usually have one, but uh, Tara, I went actually was in St. Louis this past weekend uh, visiting uh, with a bunch of college friends. Uh, every two years, we all meet in a different place. Um, and this year just happened to be St. Louis. It was one of those trips that was scheduled when it looked like we were in like kind of like that honeymoon period uh, <laughs> after COVID and then Delta hits and we're like, uh, should we still do this? Um, mm -hmm. But then we decided, hey, we're all vaccinated. Let's just do it. Uh, we need we need this. So I went to St. Louis. I ate so much barbecue. It was awesome. Uh, <laughs> I met with uh, our friends Ben Cerruti uh, and Joe Schwartz, who were both happened to be – well, Ben happened to be in town, and Joe lives in town. Met them at, at one point. Um, I had Emo's Pizza. Tara, 
I really wanted to like it. I really wanted to like it, given all the uh, snobbery that St. Louis pizza gets, um, which I find really uh, just obnoxious and uh, just silly. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I really wanted to like it. But have you ever had it? Have you ever had Emo's Pizza? Yes. All right. So I I have two, two issues. Like when I pick up a piece of pizza, I want, I really want that cheese to yeah. kind of like stick to the other pieces, you know, right. you know, like kind of that old, those old pizza commercials where you basically yep. pick up a pizza and the cheese is stretching for miles. I really need that with uh, my pizza and it doesn't quite have that, but that's okay. Um, not the biggest deal in the world, but it kind of has like a texture, almost like a gelatinous texture. Does that make sense? It's a little like, strange. I don't love it. It's I mean, a little bit like melted spray cheese possibly yeah yeah that does make sense and believe me i <laughs> i was not upset that i was eating it right uh, I, it's I just not necessarily a bad thing it's just not what you probably expect with yeah the I, I, I didn't i didn't love it and i and i yeah. wanted to really like it and i didn't um now yeah. i also know that's there's way more to st louis pizza than just emos but True. i have wanted to try emos forever it seems like a very polarizing pizza so i felt like i needed to try it anyway None of this is the Chirp of the Week. The Chirp of the Week is on uh, last Saturday morning, I uh, just by myself wandered over to the St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Fame, uh, which is uh, sort of in the Ballpark Village area, right by the stadium. And let me tell you, if you want to go to the Cardinals Hall of Fame, go during the offseason when there's no one down there on a Saturday morning. They open the doors at 10 o'clock. I was there at 10.07. I had the whole place to myself, Tara. No one, no one nice. else was there. I, I was like running around like uh, a kid who got free access to uh, Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory and was the only person there and could just do whatever they wanted to do. Honestly, like I, I was just walking around by myself. I, I almost felt like weird being in there. Like, do they <laughs> even know I'm here after a while? Um, it, it's a very, it's a very good museum. I've heard people say it's one of the best. Um, baseball museums after the actual uh, baseball hall of fame and the Negro leagues hall of fame in Kansas city. Um, I found it to be great. Uh, They had several things that I thought were very fun. Um, Let me find them. Uh, I'm on my phone here. Okay. Here's a, here's a quote from Ozzie Smith that was on the wall. It says, when people talk about me, I want them to be able to say I was worth the price of admission. Um, Mm. Now that's kind of a little, cliche quote that doesn't seem like much, but to me it means a lot because I believe him. That's kind of who Ozzy was. Like he really seemed until the day he retired to always want to be the best he could possibly be. And I always appreciated that about him. Uh, Let's see what else they have here. Oh yeah. They had this thing where you could go into this little booth kind of like sit in a little announcer's booth mm-hmm. and they would play like the Ozzy Smith. Have you seen this? They would play like the Ozzy Smith home yeah. run from the 85 NLCS or the David Freeze home run. And you got to make the call uh, like the home run call. So mm-hmm. that is very cool. It's, it was called make your call on historic plays. And you, there was a whole litany of famous Cardinals plays you could choose from. There was this section where you could go hold a famous Cardinals bat Um I didn't do it. I walked in there and this was the only time I saw another human being other than when I paid for my ticket. There was like an older gentleman sitting in there watching like just old Cardinals highlights on the big screen. And he all of a sudden was like, would you like to hold a bat? And I said, eh, 
I don't need to hold a bat. I'm not nine. Uh, I'll just look at the bats. Uh, they look pretty cool. Um, but yeah, they had some very famous Cardinals bats um, from from whom they were from. I, I can't quite, quite remember at this time. Uh, but yeah, if, if you feel the need to go hold a Cardinals bat, you can do that. Uh, you had to put on these like rubber, like OJ Simpson style, like rubber gloves yep, that yep, you had to yep. put on at the trial, you know, first. So um, you, <laughs> you're not quite getting the full experience, I guess. But um, what else? Okay, they had a whole room dedicated to the 2011 World Series uh, with artifacts, quotes, um, basically anything. Uh, but I'll tell you how great it was. By the time I got out of there, left that room. I was kind of like, I'm kind of getting sick of hearing about the 2011 World Series, and I never thought that's something I would ever, I would ever say. Uh, but that, that's that's honestly how great it was. Um, they also had a little shrine to every other Cardinal um, uh, World Series title. They had a little section about the Browns, a little section about the St. Louis Stars. That's of course was the uh, famous uh, Negro League team that was in St. Louis that Cool Papa Bell played for. Uh, what else? They had a big bobblehead collection, and they basically had all the history that you could possibly want um, with the Cardinals, um, up to and including the seat cushion from Tommy Hurst's seat cushion game against the Mets in 1987, which was uh, coincidentally the first Cardinals game I ever attended. Um, anyway, all this to say is I had an awesome time in St. Louis. St. Louis is a great city, and if you get the chance, go visit the Cardinals Hall of Fame and not just visit it, visit it on an off day on Saturday morning, early, right when the doors open, and you might get the whole place to yourself. And it was pretty nice. Great. And that's the trip of the week. Very cool. I have been to the museum and will echo that. It's a really cool place to see a lot of pieces of Cardinals history. And I, you know, the, the way that they display it is all really quite brilliantly done. So it's a very cool place for a fan to spend some time, especially if you don't have to deal with crowds and people mm -hmm. and all of that. So nice. I'm glad that it worked out that well I mean, for you. Um, even if the Emo's pizza part was a little bit disappointing. <laughs> yeah, I, it was a little disappointing, but that's okay. Uh, but yeah, I was the only person in there. I, I maybe could have left with a bat and no one would have noticed, but I <laughs> that would have been a bad idea. I would not recommend trying no, no, to, no, do to not, leave do with not a bat. Do, do not do that. Um, that stuff belongs to the museum. Right, right. But not, you not know, it's us. nice when there aren't enough people around to notice um, anything that you do in the museum. Uh, there are probably cameras, though. They probably, that, that place is probably under strong surveillance, I, I I'm, imagine. I, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. I'll also say it, I found it to be a very affordable museum. It costs like 12 bucks to get in or, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, um, not too shabby. They, oh, um, one last thing. One last thing. Yes. I thought this was cool. You can also, before you leave, you can put in your name and where you're from. And they track, uh, you can see where everyone's from, who's visiting museum from each, how many like the states, like you, like, you know, I think there's been like 223 people from Alaska who have visited the museum, you know, things like that. So. Interesting. Very, yeah, that's very cool. cool. Very cool. Well, big day in Cardinals land. Uh, our best to Mike Schilt. Honestly, I do feel a little mm -hmm. sad. I, I feel bad very for too. Mike Schilt because I feel like he loved this job so much and he loved the organization and he loved being part of it. So that piece of the equation definitely stings a bit. I'm curious to see how much more we find out about what the philosophical differences were. And of course, you know, now that leaves the door open for criticizing the front office's philosophy about baseball if it doesn't 
go well. So we'll cover all of that as it comes up throughout the offseason. But like I said, we're going to take a little bit of a break, collect our thoughts and uh, just, you know, have some time away from uh, baseball for a, a hot second. We won't stay away for too long, though, because, you know, we love this stuff, even when <laughs> it's less than fun, like the, the slog through most of the summer. But Alex, it has been a delight chatting about it all with you and um when there's more to discuss we'll we'll be back so thanks to everyone for tuning in sharing the season with us if you have thoughts about the mike schilt john mozalak um conflict <laughs> feel free to share with us on twitter i'm sure most of you have already done that to this point but we'll talk about it as it comes up until then thanks for listening we'll talk to you eventually eventually